0: Hey, you're listening to the Canadian Agent Missional Podcast, and we are recording on location at the ION Conference
1: Toronto. At the majestic North York Chinese Baptist Church. It is pretty majestic. It's pretty cool. I I like... We're in this awesome room where nobody knows about and has floor-to-ceiling windows, uh, a giant mosquito, but awesome space anyways. (laughs) Yes, it is awesome. And, you know, we've, we've had a good time
0: connecting with a lot of different people. And so, you know... Our first series of reflections and responses, it's going to be on the topic of story and what, how, why stories are important for people and, you know, how has stories been big parts of shaping different cultures. And so, Bernard, what do you think you can tease for some of the conversations we've been having?
1: You know, someone had asked us, are all our conversations very homogenous? And honestly, it's not. No. We've gone all over the place. All over the board. uh, And understanding different kinds of power dynamics, different kinds of histories and stories that have informed. And some of them are very restorative in many ways too, just to to realize the kind of privileges that we may have carried. Uh, And others are just realizing how even our generation has informed us and how we see and understand the gospel.
0: Yeah, for sure. I I think one of the things I was blown away is is recapturing a story-formed way of ministry. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that I was like, yes, you know what? And I, Bernard, you and I were talking about this earlier, which was that there is already a certain generation that's living in this way. For some of us, it might be catch-up or it might be reconditioning, but for some, it just comes naturally because that's the way they live their life. Right, for sure. Yeah. Anyways, hope you guys enjoy all these reflections. There's going to be a couple of these episodes, and then we're going to be jumping into reflections on our next session. We have one of the panelists from our first session, and she's going to introduce herself a little bit. And she said that she lived in... Singapore. Singapore. Yes. So, this fits right in.
2: Yeah. I'm Anna Rappé. I lived in Singapore for three and a half years when I was in high school.
0: Okay. So, that was
2: many years ago now. But it was a very formative time to live in Asia. So, I incorporated quite a few, I think, of the Singaporean values into Mm -hmm. my internal psyche.
1: Okay. Is that like... Table manners and what they eat?
2: <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. I was, we need to hear more. I was sadly not that interested in exotic foods when I moved there, but now I'm kicking myself because it's all <laughs> I want to eat. Um, no, I think more like the idea that we all sort of belong to the, a greater organism or the, okay. the desire to mm. belong to something. America, the United States, is very individualistic. Right. Sure. And so... Living in Asia gave me another perspective and another way of looking at life.
1: Kind of like that collective culture. Yes. Yeah.
2: Yep. And the invitation to belong to something bigger than yourself, which is often lacking in the United States.
0: Yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. And you are a lawyer? I am a lawyer. You are a lawyer by trade, yes. Yes. Amazing. And you are sharing a lot about the value of story. So for yes. you, why is story so important and what do you believe are some of the stories that are told today to our lives, not specifically like, you know, yeah. star Wars or whatever like that, but like, you know, yeah. what's the narratives? What are the scripts that yeah. we are being told?
1: But okay. those can be narratives. Those too, can't be narratives. They, they are very formative. No, yeah. no downplaying ideologies. And- right.
2: So story for me has taken on a lot of importance as I talk to people just on the street or my friends and I'm trying to, Discover how do I talk about faith with them in a meaningful way? Yeah. Rather than being expositional or theoretical or abstract, I find the way to connect with people who have emotional barriers to faith is through story. Right. So I've taken some time to study and write and think about how do we use stories in our everyday lives with everyday people to try to help them experience God in the way that I have, or in different ways, really. Right. Um, so that's that's why story is important to me. I guess it's also important as a lawyer because I'm never going to get anywhere with the jury unless I can tell a good story. That's, <laughs> right. that's that might very be true. Sort of beside the point. As far as narratives, I think interestingly the story that culture tells there's there's a line of stories that is about heroism Mm. and um, overcoming odds the underdog rising up and overcoming things that's always very powerful
1: sure
0: Mm -hmm. shows
2: up in a lot of different media yeah so
1: you're from the united states right yeah is there also kind of like a nationalistic narrative
2: that (laughs) there is sure right now in the united states sure
0: And, and how would you say that the heroism or possibly even the nationalism, mm-hmm. how does that affect people? How does that help mm-hmm. them form their story for themselves?
2: So, I mean, some people feel then called to say participate in military because they're nationalistic and want to be yeah, heroes. So yeah. that would be one effect. I don't necessarily like when I'm thinking heroism. I'm thinking like Spider-Man. There was a point, sure, oh, okay. a point in time where like there were a couple different Spider-Man shows, and it was incredible how deeply that heroism, the desire for heroism, the desire to overcome evil, was portrayed in those stories.
3: Hmm.
0: You know, when you were talking about engaging the emotional, how would you say, using those examples, how does it engage in a person's emotional story?
2: Yeah, I think when we hear stories, we can put ourselves in in that place of another person and imagine what it would be like to be them. And then we can feel the feeling that they would feel. It sort of amplifies or draws out those feelings in us and might reveal to us even feelings that we didn't know that we had.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think actually one of the reasons why Spider-Man has been such a well-loved story is because so many people identify with him it's as an underdog. Underdog yeah. as this kid, he's
1: trying to figure it out, kind of nerdy.
0: Yeah, and so many people are like, yeah, well, you know, if Spider-Man could do it, then, you know, maybe there is hope for me. Maybe I, just, I can do
1: something. Need that spider to bite me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's I don't all know. I need. Yeah, that's that hopefully <laughs> that's not the only thing we take away from the story. Anyways, Thank you so much, Anna, for giving a bit of your time and sharing a little bit about what story means for you. Mm Lisa, a friend of the podcast, who's been on twice already.
3: Indeed. This, I need to make myself scarce so you no, don't. No,
0: <laughs> not at all. You're free. We want you every single time.
1: Oh, you're so gracious. <laughs> you, you can join us as a host. That's right. <laughs> we do need you're a so Korean gracious. host. Although oh, you,
0: are our host. you are already a host. You are already a...
3: I'm a guest host. Yes.
0: Yeah. And mm-hmm. you've been a big part of putting this together, this this ION conference. Mm-hmm. You've been a big part of organizing. Live. We are live. We're recording already. <laughs> We're ready to go. This Come is how we on, run Bernard. it. I don't know. So we are going around asking people just a couple of follow-up questions. Yep. And we want to hear from their perspective. Mm-hmm. Why is story so important to you? And what do you think are yep. some of the major stories and scripts oh. and narratives that people hear today that form who they are?
3: For me and our family, it's the immigrant story. I mean, immigration is not my story, it's my parents' story, but it certainly affects our home and how we grew up and that tension between our home culture and our adopted culture, which is my home culture. And so that narrative is very important. And for me, it connects to the whole idea of sojourning in the Old Testament Mm -hmm. and even incarnationally, Jesus who left everything. So in this current dynamic where we get so much migration, in the world, even in Canada, I think that's such a very poignant story that we can share because no one's go- we believe that no one's going to stay here forever. We're all sojourning in some sense. So that mm-hmm. to me was very, very important. I think stories just make us human. Like, yeah. I loved what the panel mm-hmm. shared because it's information, but where's the moral direction? Where's the interconnection? Where is that Well, entering in, I think that's what John Franklin um, worded it, like enter The mirror
1: that kind of reveals. Yeah.
3: Like, it's funny because I know our panelists, and I've spoken to them, you know, briefly, but when you really hear their experiences, I feel like stories is how God has communicated to us because, again, it transcends generation and culture.
0: Stories connect us. Stories are really what binds us together and forms a culture. I,
1: I find that, I think... We, we know that stories are integral part of our everyday life. And perhaps the question isn't so much whether or not we should be telling stories. Mm-hmm. But what kind of stories right. should we be telling? Right. As a Canadian immigrant, second generation, Korean, mm-hmm. Torontonian context, Yeah, what do you think like, are the stories like from our, from our churches, from our Christian communities, like, what, what do you think those stories are? are the ones that you need to tell.
3: I love what they said. Um, I think Jason said the grumpy stories and like everyone stories, has these grumpy yes. stories and nobody wants to hear that. And then it was also about yeah. the vulnerability. Mm. And I agree. Don't just always just tell, tell the grumpy stories, but there's a way to tell your struggles in an uplifting way. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think right now with the transitional generation that we experience in many immigrant cultures, there's so many of them out there. Mm. But for example, in the far Eastern culture, it's not encouraged, just show your emotions, your experiences. And I think that somewhat stifles that storytelling. Yeah. There's honor and shame. There's so much at stake. You want to say the right thing. But in storytelling, the right thing is what you've experienced. And it's not yeah. right or wrong.
0: Yeah, um, right.
3: And so that, I think, the stories that we can share in our Asian um church communities is a transition is a second gen experience the struggles at home sometimes and sometimes they're just funny it's just funny when you can say yeah that's totally what we did to when we put um clean dishes in the dry um dishwasher cuz you know it, that those are stories it's, it's from every practical. Pan- yeah. what are you talking yeah. about <laughs> and over. i think we need to be able to laugh at even the struggling stories yeah. because this there is um perspective when you're able to laugh and say, you know what? God is good and we're going to get through this. Yeah,
0: for sure. And actually, one of the things I really appreciated is is this might be the way in which we can all find our our way in terms of working through struggle. Yeah. Because they mentioned, you know, it was mentioned during the panel, there's one way to engage things in an analytical way. And for sure, that can have some value. But stories and stories about the struggle and working through that struggle becomes so formative for people, yeah. and becomes something that people can find themselves
1: in, and it draws the people together.
0: Yeah, yeah.
3: you're a part of that because you've experienced something like that. That's what's right.
1: really fascinating? So, somebody introduced me to subtle Asian traits. Yes, I know Facebook. that Facebook, and it's, it's hilarious. so good because <laughs> it's like these vignettes and memes about like stories, but sometimes they get like really deep and about like mm. this is my struggle, my interethnic relationship, and whatnot. Yeah. This weird kind of community begins to form, and it's just the simple storytelling Mm -hmm. that really draws people together. I get that. Yeah. I mean, I've experienced that. Yeah, Yeah, for sure.
3: I think that's why you get a generation that connects with the movies that are out there. I mean, every generation connected with movies, great novels. Mm -hmm. It's that moment when you say, I totally know what that feels like. And it's funny because if you, a tragic experience or story would be if you lose a child. You don't yeah. have to be Chinese, Korean to understand what it feels like for a Scottish right. woman, for an African woman to lose that right. child. So there is a human experience. And I there, that word came up in the panel, that meta-narrative. Yeah. This is a human journey. And when we use culture or some of these other things, this analytical mind to build barriers, I think stories really bridges those gaps. Mm. Yeah. yeah,
0: for sure. I think cool. the human experience can be described more accurately in story yeah. and analysis, yep. right? It's easy to just pick apart something and deconstruct something, but the story is really like what life is all about. Right.
1: If, if we're really honest, analysis actually is based out of stories. Sure, it can be. Mm-hmm. Because it can be. at some point in the process of analyzing something, it mm-hmm. was a story. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure.
0: We got John Franklin here who was helping to moderate the first session and adding a lot to it. And we had just some questions that we wanted to continue to ask, and we want to hear from your perspective. So, the main question is, especially as we talked about story in the first session, why is story so important to you, and what do you think are some of those stories and narratives that are shaping people today?
4: The story is hugely important in that it helps us to order our lives. It gives us a kind of direction, and, and we are also invited to live in stories. So we hear a story, and then we'll live in it. So it's important for that reason, and I did allude to this, that I think story is also hugely important for moral direction. If you're going to have moral direction, you've got to go beyond information. You've got to have a narrative that sort of runs through time, as it were, and that moves, moves your heart and your will right. to, to live differently.
0: How did you make that connection? between story and moral direction? Like, how did that come together for you? A book I read.
4: (laughs) Hey, that's good. I'm I'm actually teaching a course, a class right now in ethics. But when you think of information, where would you find any moral direction? I've been reading about AI, for example, artificial intelligence, Mm. data galore, right? Problem solving, yes, but what's right and what's wrong? Mm. So there's there's a famous philosopher, 18th century philosopher by the name of David Hume, and I hope those who are listening to this that this will not be, what shall I say, excessive. <laughs> He's a good but,
1: read. He's a good read.
4: <laughs> but <laughs> yes. But he said you can't derive an ought from an is. Is has to do with facts. Mm. And you can state the way things are, but how do you move from the way things are to the way they ought to be? Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a very
0: that's difficult a, jump. It's an interesting perspective. It's so like, so like how do you dream? How do you imagine? It's a well, hopefulness.
4: Well, what gives you any, any prerogative to say you ought to do it this way or this is better? Like what gives you that prerogative? Yeah. And, and so that's, that's a question. So modern technology is about facts or information. It's going to say what is, but... Will it be of any help in terms of what ought to be or who mm. I ought to be or how I ought to behave? Mm. And, and I, my view is it won't. Right. And, and within a Christian context, what we really need is revelation and, and a moral vision, which we get in the biblical narrative and we get in Jesus as well.
0: But, yeah, that's fascinating.
4: But in terms of narratives, there is a narrative in the culture. It's around science and it's around reason and it's around experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says, these are the important things. And, and when it comes to morality, the narrative is personal preference, folks, personal preference, just whatever you want, right? whatever you want. Or to quote a very famous phrase, when it comes to something that you're kind of interested in or desire, just do it. Mm. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's not exactly encouraging reflection. So the culture has a narrative that we live by. And you know where we get this? We get it in many places. We get it through media not least the movies. Mm -hmm. Sure, absolutely. We go to the movies, and and why do we go there? One of the reasons we will go is because we're trying to think about how we ought to live. That's an ought there, sneaking Mm. in. And and we go to the movies, and we get information on that. So in some ways, the theaters, not just the theaters, but they've become a substitute for the church.
3: Right. And Mm. your
4: celebrities have become the priests. Uh, These are the ones that you're going to look at. As you sit in the dark, and you have, forgive me, but your Eucharist. Pop and popcorn, right?
0: Oh, man. Well, this, this bread is... Bread and wine. This reframes the movies altogether. No, but
4: but well, very speaking of, refra- speak of reframing movies, there's a book that's come out called Movies Are Prayers. Hmm. Wow. By Josh Larson, published by InterVarsity Press. And when I first got a copy to review, I said, now, just a minute, movies are prayers. Seems a bit of a stretch. <laughs> movies and prayers, okay, but movies are prayers. And the link that Josh Larson makes is that in all movies, you have human longing. All movies have human longing. There's something going on in the film that they're longing for. Power, sex, knowledge, prestige. They're longing for something. Mm -hmm. Belonging, meaning, love. Mm -hmm. They're longing for something. And human longing is actually where prayer begins. Sure. Mm -hmm. That we long for something that is more. So, yeah. So, movies, prayers, yeah, all that stuff. And we are, some. you may know the work of James Smith. Mm-hmm. Mm. He has spoken of us not primarily as thinking beings, but as liturgical beings. Right. And essentially what that means, as you know, is that we have longings and we have a desire to worship. Yeah. And, and we'll, we'll pay our nickel and take our choice as to what we want to worship in this culture.
0: Even you saying that movies and such are billions of dollars each year. Yes. And that's just evidence of people looking for something and looking for that a story. That is our tie. That, Oh, oh wow. Even to, to stretch the analogy even more. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But thinking about like, wow, that has such an impact and influence on how people see themselves. Yes. And the story that they tell themselves yes. and the story that they can imagine for what's to come. Yeah. That's huge.
4: And, and it's also the fact that we live in this information culture. Sure. Mm-hmm. And when you go to the movies, or go to Netflix, or whatever you do, yeah. you have the opportunity to enter into a story. And it's not just information.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's, I guess that's kind of a big way of advertisement, too. Like, oh, sure. It's even shorter, and it's trying to paint a story, but it's inviting you into that narrative. Yeah. Of like it's wanting you to buy, wanting you to support, wanting you to be a part of this. Oh, of
4: course. Yeah. 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 Driven by economics. And of course, scripture is full of stories. Absolutely. That we are invited also to enter into. to have it transform us
1: for sure so how would you encourage like christian community today to reimagine stories in this like complex i don't know weird story world that we're living in we know that the story of of jesus is the most beautiful most powerful most incredible meta narrative
4: but i would want to add the most disruptive too absolutely yeah just for the record, it very it disrupts your life.
1: But in many ways, I think I wonder if our our, our Christian communities have not painted this disruptive, subversive, beautiful, incredible stories.
4: Uh, I will say this evening that churches have become vendors of religious stuff that right. we want. Services. Like we, we want services from the church and so the church has become a vendor. We we're actually very indebted to a consumerist culture and the church has bought into that. And, and we need to think about it differently, think about church differently, think about life differently. I mean, indeed, the kingdom of God turns the world upside down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and we, we've got to be prepared to do that. But it's very disruptive, it's uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a willingness to also be reconditioned, I think, because well, we shared about it earlier where mm-hmm. we are so locked into one way of presenting the gospel or yeah. about proclaiming the kingdom that maybe we need to be reconditioned to understanding how stories and the sharing of stories and the invitation of stories is able to minister to others.
4: Yes, and and one of the ways we do that is by embodying those stories ourselves. Mm, So people, we are epistles, Paul teaches us. We are epistles written. So they look at what you do and how you live and what you value and so on, and we become those stories and say, I want to talk to you because how you're doing things or the way you approach things is very different than what I experience in life. So they, 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 want a, they want a part of your story.
0: Thank you so much, John, for your Thanks. time. And I got to say, th- this has been the most the, the most analogies I've ever heard in one kind <laughs> of conversation. But I love it because it actually pushes us and stretches us. So that's, thank you so much,
1: John. Awesome. Thank
0: you. So we got Jason Tripp. And this is a double honor because we went to school together and we didn't even know we were going to be at this conference together... This is a providential you, moment. You were the
1: first name that
0: we
5: saw. We did. Come on. And Seriously, we, were like, wow. we walked in and we're like... J Tripp Trip.
0: Trip is here, and it just made the experience even better. You know,
5: I had a moment driving in. I'm like, I wonder if Jonathan Nip and Bernard Tan will be there. I actually thought that. I'm like, you did oh, not think that. I anyway. did think that. You did not think that. And then I I'm saw just, you guys. Like, I walked right in, and what is the first thing I see is you guys walking around with these yeah. microphones. I'm like, yes. It's a
0: providential moment. Yeah, you room like, a take there. You were like, hey, Johnny. And so, uh, no. <laughs> take two. God. Take two. It's all good. So, after hearing from a number of the speakers and panelists, talk about story. We wanted to ask you guys about what does story mean for you? Why is story so important? And what do you think are some of the stories that have shaped you guys? By the way, we're not just here with Jay Tripp, but we're here with Adam Klein, too. Adam, say hi.
5: Hello. Yes. Yeah, so Adam and I both serve in the Free Methodist Church in Canada, and we've been sort of wrestling with some of these questions for I don't know a number of years. Adam and I are both big cinephiles, movie aficionados. Mm. So oftentimes the stories that speak to me are when the lights go dim in a movie theater. Yes, and that's that's my sanctuary. That's yeah. my sanctuary. That's not my sanctuary is sure. movie theaters. And so I'm just going to start there. Like with films, um, that's a medium that I both received and I've used in our ministry context. In our in our church, we built a drive-in movie theater for the community. And what? so there's there's just some amazing power of stories and then the stories that follow after the story. So after seeing the story on the big screen, the conversations that ensue, whether it's in the theater or in a coffee shop or in a pub or wherever we gather. So it's just that storytelling sort of ripples out from what we see on the big screen. Yeah. So I see that that's one medium, one way we've seen the power of story in our ministry context. Now, Adam Klein wrote his master's thesis about Robert Jensen, the master storyteller. So I'm going to put you on the spot, my friend. Why don't you tell me about storytelling?
6: Let's bring the bar a little lower there. Uh, (laughs) Thesis.
5: (laughs) This better be the best
6: answer we've ever heard. (laughs) He was a professor. uh, So I did my, you guys did your master's together at Tyndale. I did mine uh, at at Wesley Seminary in, in Indiana. But one of my early profs, he called me out. He said, you're a narrative theologian. I was like, I love the way that sounds, but I don't know what that means. And so he just said, just dive deep into Robert Jensen. And then we ended up going on a several year journey of just going deep into his work. And and, I mean, I'll I'll just summarize it to say that Jensen was one of those incredible theologians who rooted the idea of narrative, not in style, but in substance. Hmm. The idea that narrative is a part of God's own nature. And that if we believe in a Trinitarian God, a God who is community himself by nature, then our existence is a part of that word that is being spoken, Father, Son, and Spirit. Yes. And, uh, so th- and, then, and then how do we see the evidence of that in, in the, the Scripture that's been passed down to us, and how does that uh, flow out into our lives and, and regular ministry? So that, for me, now that, of course, comes after a lifetime of, of cinema and music and yeah. art all shaping me and media shaping me in ways that maybe I didn't know at first and yet gave me this unique lens to engage with Scripture and then find that foundational piece in God's own nature of being a word, right? Now, in the, where we're at, where at is, is trying to encourage our friends and colleagues across the Free Methodist movement of finding those practical points of engagement hmm. post-textual. And again, I, for me, it, it, it really hits home as a parent, Yes, having, having young kids, they're growing up in my home, so that, so that they they love to read. They're avid readers, but the primary influencer and and point of contact for them is is oral, is is video, is media, is podcasts, right. is all that kind of stuff. And um, and so, how does that impact uh, their discipleship and their faith and what it looks like for them to share their faith with with their friends? But. Jason was going. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'll echo
5: that. Like, I remember from a young age, my kids before bed, and this is just their way of manipulating me to let them stay up (laughs) a few minutes later. Daddy. Were they successful? (laughs) Always, always. Like, (laughs) Bedtime routine would be like two hours because I'd be telling them stories. And I'd just be making up stories on the spot. But i tell them a story. yeah, And then we talk about it, right? You, you can relate. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know how that works, yeah. right? So there's just something powerful. There's something so creative and imaginative that, that just draws people in yeah. to converse. And I love a good story is a story that deserves and demands a response. And so it becomes mm. conversational. It's not just me talking at someone, but it's, sure. it, it's inviting a response. And that, you know, we're followers of Jesus, so that was... Jesus is a master storyteller, right? Yes. He asked as many questions as he answered more. And so good stories invite and ask questions that invite relationship and invite conversations that are ongoing. Sure. I mean, any good story starts conversation. That's why I would say when we read the Bible or when we talk about the Bible, it should be spurring more conversation. It shouldn't be ending conversation. Mm. Too often, at least in some of my church upbringing, it was the Bible conversation was the end of the story instead of this is a the continuation, continuation, right? A <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? It should be open-ended, right? Yeah. So there's, there's power in story, whether it's through film, whether it's through media art, whether it's telling my child a story before bed.
0: Sure. Yeah. That's awesome. And I, I love hearing how you guys talk about how stories bring people together, how it can bring about conversations, and it can also be a place where the gospel can be, you know, intersecting into mm-hmm. and how it leads to. And I love like, that you guys both talk about movies and stuff like that because you know, sometimes even people think that like, you know, they're not impacted by those stories, but they are. If you mm-hmm. watch oh. movies over and over like, and you see the same themes, you start to find yourself in that.
5: Absolutely. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm in a theater a few months ago watching Avengers Endgame. Yes. Right. No spoilers right. on this podcast, come but, on. <laughs> come on. It's, it's been out for almost I two know. years. So. I know. I finally yeah, yeah, watched yeah. it. I, so I know. Now that no Bernard spoilers, but, in, but. but this is the culmination of the <laughs> Marvel movie, genre, yes. right? Yeah. The phase of Marvel. And I'm sitting there in the theater and the lady beside me, is just bawling at the end. She's a mess. Yeah, and I'm and I'm a feeler, but I'm I'm the only one in the theater not bawling. Like, sure. I'm, I'm like it's amazing how emotionally attached yeah. we get to fictionalized characters in movies. Right, the yeah. power of the story to draw out our emotions. Yeah. and these aren't even real life people. Right, so <laughs> like she's a puddle on the floor. So there there's something to be said about the power of story and the emotional attachment to it.
6: Yeah, and not to leave Avengers behind us but <laughs> but sincerely when that came out again I, I i'm i'm obsessed with learning the craft behind those things uh-huh. and 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 you probably uh, i shared it on social media when it came out back in the spring but the directors of avengers endgame i mean they did multiple interviews and podcasts but there, there was this one that i shared and and passed around because they impacted the fact that the way that they told that story which reached globally and made more money than any previous film, the way that they told that story was based on their observation and research of where culture has shifted in terms of emotional investment in characters over the long term. Yeah. Mm. That people were not no longer looking for one off stories, but they were looking for serial storytelling.
0: Yes. Where
6: over the course of a decade, that's what Avengers Endgame was, over the course of a decade, their investment in these characters had massive emotional payoff. And how can we not learn from that? How can we not learn from that skill and that craft and that intentionality when it comes to what it means to tell not only a good story, but a lasting story?
0: Sure. What does that say about culture? What does that say
5: about culture and what people are looking for and longing for? So I think just again, to use that Marvel example, I think we're waking up to the reality that people, we shouldn't sell people short. Hmm. And And our stories should create long lasting relationships. I know that the people that I engage, not only in my church but in my community, that come year after year to these films or uh, our theology on tap nights or other things, like uh and I see them and we just we pick up where we left off. Sure. It's like us I'm seeing you guys we're picking yeah. up where we left off from yeah. our seminary days, right? So people People don't just want a one-off. They want they want a continuation of that story. And, and I think you mentioned the the importance of intersection and finding where our lives and our journeys, no matter our ideologies or where we are in our faith formation, find those points of commonality. Find those points of mm-hmm. intersection that can continue the storytelling and listening and asking questions and taking that journey together. Mm-hmm. I think our culture is longing for that. They're longer. They're longing for deeper stories. They're yeah. Longer, yeah. To be a part of that. To be a part of that. Oh, yeah. yeah. To be up in
0: Find that, themselves yeah. in that. Yeah. Live that out. Embody that story. Yeah.
6: So, another way I, I think that this, I, I know this has lived out in my ministry as a pastor for over 15 years, is, is when it comes to preaching and, and communicating God's word. And to borrow the phrase from um, the directors of the Avengers movie, serial storytelling that topical sto- uh, preaching is great. Yeah. It has a place and a time. But I think when we actually take the narrative of Scripture, take an entire book or even a letter, but you take the Gospel of Mark and you preach through it and take the time, then and on any given Sunday, you're not just seeking for answers or topics or questions on this chapter or this passage. You're allowing the entire scope of the story to have an impact of where the author has taken us, where the Holy Spirit through the author has taken us over the course of the narrative. And I, I, I even think of... I've, I've written about it in the past, even harping on things like in our English, in certain English editions, you have the subtitles, uh, and I just call them spoilers, um, because <laughs> they ruin the experience of the story. Because right. And, I, and I've, uh, I, I often will elaborate on, in Mark's Gospel, the feeding of the 5,000. When you get to that portion of that chapter, that's the subheading, Jesus feeds the 5,000. The punchline. Yeah, but if you read that passage in its entirety as the author and the spirit intended, you don't know it was 5,000 people or more until the last sentence. The way the story is designed is for you to be, in a sense, as a camera, be Mm -hmm. zoomed in tight on Jesus and the disciples encountering a problem and seeing Jesus' response to it and realizing that... When the disciples come to him, well, his first response is, well, you do something about it. So Jesus is putting a responsibility in the hand of his followers. And then as the story unfolds, if you're following it carefully, you realize that this massive crowd, which we don't yet know, but this crowd of people, they don't necessarily know a miracle is taking place. They just know that they're being fed by Jesus Mm. physically in addition to spiritually. Yeah, for and, sure. And then, as, so, and as the miracle takes place, and the disciples are spread out and handing out food, I like to think that then, then suddenly, at that last moment, that climatic, cinematic moment, the the the, the camera zooms out and pans over, showing us a massive crowd of over five thousand people that up until that moment we had no idea mm-hmm. that by the disciples' obedience and Jesus' actions that it had that much of an impact. Yeah, and and. It, We can't really encounter God's word in that way unless we truly engage in the power of narrative and and then equip ourselves as practitioners of how to tell tell that story really well.
5: And not only to tell the story well, but to invite the listeners of the story to locate themselves in Mm. those ancient stories. Yeah, absolutely. Where do you find yourself in this narrative? And why? How can you relate to this? And sometimes the challenge with stories like the Feeding of the 5,000 for those that have grown up in the faith is those stories become so familiar, they they lose something. They lose the entry point. They lose the entry point. So we need to be okay. I think it's okay to be okay with massaging those stories or recontexturing those stories or retelling those stories with a modern slant. Give them a modern slant with still the same punchline, so to speak. So, for example, the Good Samaritan. Well, Samaritan, what's a Samaritan? Who's a Samaritan, Right. Right. So when I tell that story, sometimes we recontextualize it to the good fill in the blank, the good Muslim, the good transgender, the good Toronto Maple Leafs fan, whatever your, your hated people group is. That's totally hated. We can't even go there. Yeah. That's Outside just... of Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we're doing this in Toronto. I'm, I'm fighting <laughs> words around here. But my point being is we need to be okay with recasting and retelling the story with the same spirit. Because it's not about the letter of the law. It's about the spirit of the law yeah. and locating ourselves in the story. So reimagining those stories together to invite people in closer.
0: Yeah. Awesome. You know what? I have to ask this. Because the things you guys are talking about, demands patience, demands wanting to go deeper. Are people willing to do that? Are people willing to let themselves, let the story be told to them and sit with it? Like you were saying, Adam, they want the, the quick like, oh, what is this passage telling me for today? And what can I just take it and go? But what you the guys three are talking point about- applications. Yeah, yeah. Three point application. Yeah, three-point yeah. application. But what you guys are talking about is just sitting in the story and letting it overwhelm you. And- are people ready to do it?
5: Corporate worship and the kingdom of God should be somewhat countercultural. We're constantly swimming upstream. Yeah. And living in a culture where we have, you know, fast food restaurants and microwave ovens. We we're sort of trained in our culture to have everything immediately at our fingertips. And sometimes sure. we need to as as leaders and practitioners, we need to kind of pull the rug out from under people. We need to say, No, let's just let's just sit under this. Let's let's patience is a fruit of the spirit after all, right? So <laughs> let's make this an opportunity to exercise one of those fruits of the spirit. And, you know, delayed gratification is not necessarily a bad thing in the life of the right. church. And it, it takes time, and, and sometimes people will resist that. But like anything, there will be those that, that lean into that right away, those early adopters, and then others will sort of sit back and wait. Right. And, but then they'll see the fruit of it, and then they'll sort of follow suit. So it takes patience, and it takes us as leaders sort of modeling that. Yeah. And I have too many moments, and I like to confess, of impatience. So it's, it's been a journey in my own heart. and My own personal spiritual, spiritual formation is a big mm-hmm. part of that, so yeah
6: as much as I love a certain particular type of storytelling, sure. and, and I've seen the impact of 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 the craft that's taking in proclamation to allow a group of people to find themselves fully immersed in the narrative, I, I can't deny the fact, and again, I, I bring it to let's and let's leave movies aside, bring it to TV, where I think of uh, a multi-camera sitcom on a major network versus an artistic, smaller audience. Cable drama, right? I think about Big Bang Theory after twelve seasons, whatever long time ended. (laughs) Yeah, the most popular, the most watched, the most everything, and it's not my taste. But the masses are consuming that form of storytelling, so we can't walk leave that behind as being a way of reaching and communicating. But at the same time, then I think of Mad Men, and I think about Mm -hmm. the slow burn, and I think about the immersive drama. And yes, it may not be everybody's taste, or it might not be the thing that appeals to the masses. But as you saw, through there were a, a cultural phenomenon like that, that series was give it time, to let people have a taste, and 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 that's the thing is that again, I apply it as a preacher and every Sunday practicality of uh, if you if you pursue that that form of storytelling, if you pursue that craft and that skill, and you give them that experience, give them that taste. They're not going. They're not going to be interested necessarily in doing the work. Mm. But if the facilitators and the practitioners are willing to do the work, then then you're 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 giving them a taste of gourmet storytelling, right? And that they maybe never tasted. Right. Before. Doesn't mean they're still not going to go for fast food or sitcom <laughs> or whatever it is. That's still a part of their diet. But you've given them something richer and deeper, and mm. they will come back for more.
0: Yeah, I love that. That's so good. It's like.
6: So it's like a metaphor on top of a metaphor, yeah, very apostle Paul <laughs>
0: <laughs> j trip, Adam, thank you guys so much for sharing a bit with us. you had you guys both had some. Mic drop moments, and I'm glad you didn't drop these mics because we don't, we aren't made out of money. So, thank you guys so much. It's so good to catch up with yeah, you guys. Good to see you guys. And Thanks, guys. we're looking forward to what's going to come with this conference.
5: Yes. Loving the conference, loving the podcast. Keep up the good work.
0: All right, you have been listening to the Canadian Agent Missional Podcasts. Hey, what did you think about today's conversation? We'd love to hear from you. You can reach us through Facebook, Twitter, email, and Instagram. Connect with us, let us know your thoughts. If you haven't done so already, please remember to review and to rate and to share this podcast. It really helps us to continue to reach more people with this conversation. And it's been great to see how people have been wrestling with these topics and continually seeing their life and their faith and their own ministries challenged and and encouraged by the conversations we've been having. So once again, you've been listening to the Canadian Asian Missional Podcast, and we hope you'll join us on this journey. See you next time.